So, okay. Daniel Esplin joined by Mr. Johnny Two Fingers, singer, songwriter, guitar player, dragonfly traveler, possibly, and professional wrestler or semi-professional wrestler. Anything I missed there? Uh, no, you pretty much covered it there, Daniel. Thanks, buddy. How's now, it go- uh, oh, I know one thing. You forgot to mention that I am the undisputed heavyweight champion of rock and roll. That's uh, Just throwing that out there. What, I'm, my, my I have a belt. Actually- my son actually wanted to know me. what is your signature move. <laughs> uh, I've done I've done a pretty good uh, testicular claw with Mister Sacco once. Yeah, thrown by none other I, from Mick Foley. This is all true, all true, all true. And then and then I delivered uh, one time uh, an RKO to a, a very angry woman. She was she started it though. Yeah. But I think, if anything, lately my finishing move is a walking stick to the head or to the uh, unmentionables. The lower subcockles. There you go. <laughs> so I really wanted to talk to you about your music. And the biggest thing with it is the first, the first thing I heard from you is with McMillan's Monster. And the entire time I'm listening to the album uh, – I'm thinking like this is the soundtrack to one of the most epic animated adventures of all time. And I, I read a little bit about you, and I always find it interesting when bands talk about their early influences, and they'll say bands. But I, I noticed that you said a couple of soundtracks, and that's what really what I got. Actually, through the second part of Good Eating, all the way through Macmillan's Monsters, it felt like I was on some sort of adventure. And that's what I want to talk to you about is your songwriting, because I don't get the impression that you're singing from your perspective but you're instead singing from the perspective of these really interesting characters am i kind of hitting on something there yes when you that song ode to kaleaster that you mentioned he it's a song about being at uh it was kind of inspired after party uh frank felt is his is a good personal friend of mine and he's helped me out so much he's an older gentleman it's a birthday coming up he's a poor poet laureate never to be he says yeah. and uh he, he he has a name for his spirit and it's Caliostro. and uh because he out there man and uh about <laughs> anyway that was about uh like going literally like the 21 steps up to the desert stone because the desert stone was his gallery he owned or he rented a place above a gym and it was where we, he let us play our music with my first band. And then eventually Johnny two fingers and the deformities we played there. And uh, he let other bands there, that band about playing the band plays five times a week. That's the Lord's Kitchener. That was an old band growing up. They all grew up and moved away or whatever the kids do nowadays. And, uh, but Caliostro, he's uh, the skunk and the spider sitting up in their loft. But that, I don't know. I don't want to ruin it. I'll just tell you that part is like it's me and Frank. We used to sit down. We would sit on top of his loft and looking down, smoking. Uh, well, it's legal now, cannabis. Anyways, we're looking out the window and blowing it out there. And he and he's like, oh, see that lady there, man. I'm like, oh, yeah. She's like, she's picking bums and like rummaging through the. But that's the rummaging through the 
freaking the back alleys picking up butts. It's the raccoon tipping over garbage cans. And then the one part about garbage, 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 it'll kill him one day. And then that's Frank always, uh, we play cards and that was something to do with uh, a commercial he saw when he was growing up. And uh, that was just a t- thing he'd always say He's, when we were playing crib, garbage, 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 cause referring to his cards, it'll kill him one day. And he just, and I thought it was so funny. He's a funny guy, that Frank Feltz. But even the way you're describing him right there reminds me a lot of how your lyrics are. You have so much to say in every single song, and uh, you do describe things so eloquently, some great metaphors that are in there. And so are all of your songs or a good majority of your songs based off of something in reality, or do you kind of have like uh, a place where you go where you kind of take on the characteristics of, say, a character? Mm, That's interesting. When I'm writing, I'm trying to think of something that's really uh, something that I I can believe and I can think in the future. If I had to say this again in the future, would I still stand by it? And you know what I mean? It's got to be honest and true. So in a lot of them, when they're true stories, they're like kind of like, I guess I'm like, a, even if it's a, just like a personal battle or something trying to relate my thoughts to make it make sense. The most trying to be ambiguous, make it, but allow people to be, uh, what's the word taken in or make their own (laughs) conclusions, make it mean something to them, but it was meant something to me too. So, uh, spiritual, you could say, I don't know, whatever. Well, Some of them are just stories, though, but they're always from things that I love or something. Well, and that's kind of how it is with music. You like as soon as it goes out there, it's kind of not yours anymore. But that's right. In your case, it seems like there's a lot of stories that are being told there. And the one thing that I actually noticed early on in your first album, Good Eating, you have a lot of, I don't know, like you're almost sharing your philosophical views on the world. And uh, that actually holds true through all three albums that you've put out, where you have pieces here and there where you're talking about critical thinking and independence and kind of how you see the world. And is that is that something that you uh, you want to put out there, but you also kind of try to keep it safe a little bit just so people don't get because it is oh. rock and roll and it is supposed to be fun after all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, <laughs> I. I I actually does never really thought it like you put it quite well there. Like, uh, yeah, I do kind of, I think like that it just helped me a lot being a critical thinker and not like I'm an emotional guy and I can empathize with a lot of people, you know, I've, I can empathize pretty good and I'm pretty good at putting my thoughts into words. And, uh, but I also know like it's important not to get your, yourself to like a lot of this is like there's stuff in control of us and being control of that but there's other stuff you gotta let go i mean i could just talk all philosophical or whatever (laughs) i don't mind but uh, but yeah it's important but you gotta be respond there's you're only you gotta love yourself type of thing you know like because i've been on the side of like not wanting to get up and like just lay there and die <laughs> like life sucks yeah life can really suck but the there's bands that i always turn to 
And this is kind of why I made music. It's like the band's like <laughs> as m- macho in perhaps you'd say, and even testosterone driven as ACDC. And maybe they only think about with their other head instead of their other head. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll is really what they made their whole thing. But something also, especially about the early Bond Scott stuff, he always, he even if times were tough, he succeeded and he, and he didn't, like he still got, thing he got kicked down, but he got back up again. It was resilience. And that's kind of like, you can't keep a good dog down type of thing. You, you can't do that. That you just... The cream rises to the top, brother. Ooh. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. you just can't. I, I just feel so good doing what I do. And I I don't know. like, But borderline, like, there's some sort of macho swagger in wrestling, too, I understand, and whatever. But there's, it's a performance. It's about, like, part of it's fun, because I love that stuff when I was little. So it's like. It's just my childhood coming out. I wanted to be a pro wrestler when I was a little kid. Before I even wanted to be a rock, like a rock star, I was going to say. I'm a glorified t-shirt salesman, really. Check out my band camp at www.johnny2fingers.com. That's Johnny with the numeral two fingers.com. Anyways, that's enough merch plug for today. But uh, anyway, man, like, yeah, it's all about like, it's. I love performing and I love that's the type of thing. And, and hopefully given like a good message is like to anybody out there is just like, what's the point? Like there's a point to, to like, it's whatever reason you give it though. So don't, you don't have to put too much into it. Don't get scared by that. It's just whatever you want. It's your own, as the saying goes, it's like, it's a blank canvas. You paint whatever you want, however you want to look at it. You can make a bunch of weird loud noises like I do, but <laughs> Well, and speaking of loud noises and resilience, I noticed like some of the other articles that were put out about you, people were talking about like how you had to overcome and be able to play guitar. And I think for anybody that knows how to play guitar, they understand that it's it's very difficult no matter what your situation. And the one thing that really impresses me is the riffs that you make and how they kind of have a counterbalance every once in a while and still being able to sing over top of them the way that you do. And it, and I started to think about it because at first I thought you were a three piece when I was originally listening to your music. And then I, I noticed like you actually had a lead guitar player and there really isn't like a huge like uh, difference from album to album in guitar chop. So like my question in that regard is, is uh, how much of the riff are you really like trying to get out there compared to being able to sing? Like, what is your thought process behind that? And kind of where does it come from first? Are you a lyrics first kind of guy or are you a, a riff first kind of a person? Mm, interesting. Yeah. I mean, usually, oh, wow. That's a, that's a, that's a good question there, Daniel. I uh, was actually thinking like, I've grown so much as a guitarist. Like at the beginning of you were asking about like how to play guitar, I guess when I wasn't such a strong guitar player, like at the beginning, like that good eating album. Yeah. You're right. That was a four piece. There was another guy who played guitar. I actually played bass mostly on that album too, but uh, he played a few leads on that one. And like, at that point, I was using like a different pick 
there's a whole evolution of that pick thing. The first one, uh, McMillan, McMillan's monster I, I, is a tribute to Dan McMillan, who made, he had a dream, and this is not BS. I, he was a coworker, and he said, I had this dream, and I presented you this pick thing, and it's like hooks to your wrist. And it's and or whatever I'm like, and I gave it to you, and you could play guitar. I'm like, sure thing, buddy. And then he, but he was true to his word, and then he's like, Johnny, I come over, and and he came, and I did, and he showed me this thing. It was made out of a milk jug, and it was attached around my wrist, and it kind of went down like a almost like a cut out of the the milk jug as a fishing hook. It was attached with Velcro, and I looked at it, and I knew that was not. I knew that wouldn't work but it was the those were the right parts so i shrunk it from a wrist thing to a finger thing and through multiple variations from on top of the finger to underneath originally it was because i have fingernails and i thought i always play with my fingernails so i want to rep, rep, replace my fingernails with a pick instead of them so they don't rip off and bleed cuz if you when you're ripping on a guitar with the yeah. plastic with those metal strings and if and to get that tremolo sound yeah. it's hard to do that with your nubblies because they'll just bleed or i haven't figured oh, i don't have enough fingers to do it like this you know finger picking because i have two on my right hand for anyone who's just listening so um uh, anyway uh as time progresses like i ended up getting this thing and as and this is how the albums progress too it's my ability to sing and play at the same time got better. The growth of a, to see the growth of what I've done, those albums are just like almost night and day. And the, the last EP that I put out, the built to rock and roll one, that was all me on guitar. Whereas the other ones kind of had guest exper- uh, um, guest appearances from other guitar players. And like uh, TV eyes was the, the bass player, Brett Mackay. He used yeah. to play in that band called Lord's Kitchener, and but that's how all those scenes that I mentioned them before. I, yeah, and uh, they used to play Frank's, right? Yeah, so yeah, we all. It's just how everyone's com- that scene around Moose Jaw there, how we helped each other out, you know. So was there a little bit of apprehension when you had to uh, go it as the sole guitar player with Built to Rock and Roll, or did, were you just like, oh, yeah, no. I'm ready for this? Oh no! I like as a perf- once the beginning like after we lost uh, Travis as a rhythm guitarist, I was always the lead guitar player, and I just got better and better and better because that pick evolved from holding it on to um, it was a it was held together <laughs> literally with Velcro. I had it. I had a pick, I drilled holes in it and I super glued it and I sewed it onto a little like milk jug thing that went underneath my finger, I guess. Yeah. Oh, now nah. use the camera, John, use the camera. So it goes like that. And, uh, Oh shoot. I think I might actually have it right with me. Yeah. So anyways, the doc, and then I went to my shoe doctor cause I got a shoe. That's about, my legs are about that different. That's about four inches long. Yeah. So I got a four inch lift on my shoe to help stabilize me, balance me out. And this thing, I showed him this thing that was made out of milk jug and stuff. 
Yeah. And he made this. It's like made out of polyurethane. Yeah. And it and he molded my hand and it goes, there's a pick in there. I, it used to take me two hours to make one of those Velcro ones that I did on my own. Yeah. This thing I can pop a pick out as long as I have this shell. Yeah. Just goes right on. I tape it on with vet wrap. It only sticks to itself. Yeah. It's for animals when they break their leg. It's amazing. And then once I got be able to do that, I didn't have to ever work. It's imagine if you lost your pick while you're playing your instrument and you couldn't readjust it. Well, now it's always in the same spot. I know exactly where it's. I can stare you in the eye while I play. I can sing now with knowing I know how to play it. I've had to change the way I play, like guitar playing, uh, you know, you met, like you always get better and there's always something else. If you're open to growing, you know, like getting better, like if you're good at practicing or whatever, whatever you want to do out of it. But I wanted to be pretty good at playing solos and, you know, playing like guys like Angus Young. And I, I really inspired to be like, that and like and uh Tony Omi Black Sabbath are like some of my favorite guitar players and then cool like I love playing like country licks and the blues and but really like blistering like fun like shred and rock and roll with the cool solos and now I'm we're getting to the point where hopefully we'll be a four piece again because I always hear all those albums like the I did a lot of the backing like i did extra guitar and the rhythm guitar they're all meant to have two guitar players yeah. and the time the time is right it's coming so with that you sent me uh the other song that you sent me over is master of your mind unreleased so far uh, mm -hmm. is that going to be getting a release and is that kind of how you're going to be putting together a band or what is the future plans for johnny two fingers and the deformities that's yeah i'm Glad you asked. The we that album was supposed to come out in 2019, and due to uh, one of our the bass player we were with, he uh, broke his ankle, then he uh, broke his mind, and then he dropped out of the band when we had a pretty good thing going, and that kind of delayed things. Uh, it was like I was looking into touring Europe. And then the next week I found that out and it was like back to square one. Yeah. Anyway, 2020, I thought it was going to be the year. And then we all know what happened. So <laughs> I wanted to, I originally wanted a tour with it, but it's like, it's time. Like I'm ready to get it out there. Cause I've got demos and stuff of other songs that I want to release. So I'm thinking about in October, it'll, cause we've, We've done like early things because I've had it forever. I've been selling at shows once in a while, like have limited amounts type of thing. Yeah. But now it's like I'm going to put it out there, put it on the the YouTube, some some of the songs, you know, get the music videos out there, start doing the promo train, as they say. And then I guess it's starting with you, buddy. <laughs> well, that's perfect. So is it going to yeah. be a full length album or is it another EP? Um, we, I think we broke the threshold of it just being like, it's like three minutes longer than an EP. So it's a LP baby. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> and then, uh, the one last thing I want to ask you, uh, just in regards to putting out albums is like you, you do the artwork, you're selling CDs. How much are you thinking about putting out a complete album compared to just throwing songs together and, uh, trying to figure out the order? Yeah. I'm, um, 
I don't know. I guess I'm kind of old school. I just, I mean, when I consider, or I guess I should, really back in the first era of music, it was all singles, right? So if I'm going really old school, I'm not that old school. I'm like a little new, I'm more, I'm more like seventies, I guess. Yeah, you're mid- but it's like the idea of a, putting out like a, like an album's kind of like a book, yeah. but I know like guys like Weird Al, he said he's never going to put out an album again, but he's a funny guy. Like it's, he's a different thing, you know? You know, I don't know. Like I've almost got, I feel like I have enough material for at least something similar of, I've got enough songs to probably do another album. So it's just a matter of for this one, this time child one that'll be coming out there. It'll be, uh, it'll be, uh, I hope to like the producer that we worked with, was his name's Ian Blurton. He's like, uh, he's kind of like, he, he's kind of like an underground Canadian rock legend. He's literally got a Wikipedia type of thing. He's been around for decades. I didn't even, I couldn't even figure out how old he was. We had to, we, but he had a Wikipedia so we could find out. He was like, I'm like, are you 25 or are you hundred years old? Like he's got this long Gandalf beard and yeah. super dry. And, but he had this, I, like I felt like working with a real producer for once in my life. Like I just sat there. He's like, play through this play. And he knew exactly what I want. I just had to play guitar. He helped arrange some of the songs layered the voices as there's way more production on that album, on this upcoming album than any of the other ones without it being like too much, you know, like it's still really raw. It was really, it was recorded very quick while we were on tour. We did all the bed tracks live. And and some of the lyrics were literally wrote on the spot, and they're some of the best spots. Like even like listening to it, you like you'll, I, it's like I got goosebumps going right back there. Like how like we just because we wanted to, and we did it, and it was good. It's I think it's far the most mature of like just like sonically out of the stuff that we've done because he had such he treated every song as as his own thing, and even the approach of how he. Like he just let us record like it's tapes doesn't call. We're not using real tape. It's digital. So it's free. So he just let us record. We recorded and recorded until we got that one cake. Then stop us. He's just like, that's not it. That's not it. Do it again. And he was all about doing it again instead of fixing it in the computer. Yes, Ian. I love you. Ian Blurton, if you hear me, I love you, man. <laughs> That's so awesome. And that kind of brings me to the last thing that I like to do with these interviews is to shine the spotlight on someone else that's uh, killing it in the music scene. And so do you have anybody that you would like to give a shout out to that uh, band, uh, whatever that you think is just top notch? I would I would love to. There's our most recent bass player. His name is Adrian Dyer, and he's honestly the best bass player I've ever played with in my entire life. And on top of that, an incredible performer. He's dripping sweat when he was playing bass with us. Just, and just like, just such an energy, just, you just makes you feel alive by looking at him. He's incredible and amazing. And I don't use those terms lightly. He, and not only that, he's a genuine, beautiful, just a, I love that guy to death. And he's so mature for a younger guy, handsome ladies. Anyways, he 
is in a band and he leads it called Moontan from Winnipeg. They're kind of like a, they have a big rush influence, sort of funky him and his other ba- buddy or his guitar player, Brady Mitchell mm-hmm. uh, is just a, like they're he's a virtuoso himself. You know, they're kind of inspired by like, it's like that seventies rock. It's got the, the moon face paint. And at least they did. They're like intergalactic funk rock and roll super loud though big amps and he's his voice is like like he can sing like robert plant but but like or like getty lee but he sounds better than getty lee is like really like can hit those amazing high voice things one time we did a cover with them and i played rhythm and brady was playing the lead and and adrian was playing bass and he was singing for those about to rock yeah by acdc Dude, I've always wanted to play that song live, and I can't sing that song. Not like Brian Johnson, that incredible, and but not like how Axl Rose sings it, like an opera. It was like, oh, and, but he didn't sing it like Brian Johnson. But he sang it like him with the the balls and the tenacity and the intensity, and with the but the pitch was way up there. Like, I can't do it. I'm embarrassing myself. And but I was singing the background and about to rock. And you could almost hear the explosions in the background, even if they weren't there. That was cool. That and those guys, they are all they are put on such a show. Incredible performers. The first time I watched them, my mouth was like, I did the drop, my jaw dropped. I looked at floor. I had to look at the the person just standing next to me because there's only 12 of us. It's this shithole bar. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that uh, over there on this. And I, and I look at her and I'm like, and she goes, and I, I know. Right. And that was actually the girlfriend of the drummer at the time, but we both just like, and then I looked over this other guy besides her, which was like, he goes, I know. Right. I'm like, Whoa. cause it's, it's like the first time you see Moontan. If you love like put epic rock and roll, You'll just drop like the stuff that he played. You actually, how do you play that stuff and sing? So like, how does Adrian play that stuff and sing? I don't know. I don't know. He's incredible. It's just the next level. Well, hopefully he has strong ankles and he can make it last for a while. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and uh, Johnny, I want to thank you so much for joining me here today. It's uh, It was great to have a conversation with you and especially to pick your brain about your songs. Because after the last four days of nonstop listening to your records, uh, it is very interesting to see how you speak normally compared to your lyrics. And they are very similar in the way you describe things, which is really exciting to see that uh, it's very authentic. And uh, I can't wait until the fall to hear your new album. Thank you very much, brother. Thanks, Daniel. I appreciate being here.